This is Alexandria and Anna from One of a Kind Research. They're in Phoenix. They're my fellow Arizonans. They do a lot of rare disease studies, but they're also branching out into internal medicine. And we've been collaborating, actually. We've been, we've been sharing study leads. They've been able to give us, thank you guys so much, a study lead. We've been able to get activated on the study. We actually have one screen failure, um, but we're helping to be able to actually randomize somebody soon and vice versa. We just collaborate every site. You know, I think sites need to collaborate more. We're going to get into exactly who they are. If you guys need to see the other video, I'm going to put the link underneath so you can see like the entire, I think it was 30 minutes or so in the coffee shop. But I wanted to introduce you guys really quick to my sponsor, Viva Site Vault. I'm actually, do you guys know about Viva Site Vault? Yes. We you guys use it? During the height of COVID time. You, so you guys use it? Mm-hmm. Well, we have used it. Yeah. I see. Okay. Using it in, any, in anything, are we? I don't think so. Right. This is better than reading the ad then. So like, what um, what what features of it did you guys use? You had um, more experience than I did. We did mostly uh, like source upload. That way the monitors could do remote monitoring during ah. COVID. Uh, we didn't use it for much other than that. That's kind of the extent that we got. Do you guys know, so we're starting to use it now too. Um, E-reg is like the main thing, right? You can operate your own E-reg. You can have digital signatures, digital delegation, which is pretty awesome. But the best part about it is it's like passive. Like there are over 400 sponsors already using Viva for their SUSARs mainly and a bunch of like backend things that sites don't see. This is why Viva has not never really been a household name for sites. Mm-hmm. But did you know once you use their e-reg and it's free and there's no contract involved, you're automatically put on this list where 400 sponsors can see the sites that are already using Viva. So it can wow. put you into uh, greater opportunities to actually get studies. What is a sponsor who works with um Novartis yeah. Novartis right yeah I think something like 47 out of the top 50 biggest pharma use it already like they're a household name they're they're the household name for sponsors and now they understand that in order to completely integrate they got to get to the sites they got to get to people like us right because if we don't use it like it doesn't matter how many sponsors it could be 500 sponsors using it right? Which almost they are almost there, but there's really no value unless the sites are using it to completely integrate it. So it's completely free. It's amazing tool. Uh, Thank you, Viva, very much for the sponsorship. You guys will be hearing a lot more about it, but didn't know you guys use it. So that's awesome. Okay. Anna, Alexandria, site owners, just a little over a year now, right? We're about the same time period as me. Yeah, we just celebrated our year. <laughs> oh, you guys just celebrated your year. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, we survived our first year. <laughs> How did that go? What What's that first year like? Um, I think that we've been a little uh, outside the normal spectrum of when people start uh, research sites. Um we actually made a little bit of profit our first year. So that's good. We were able to start with new sponsors and new CRO companies in the first year. Um, So that was shocking compared to a lot of other stories that we've heard about how hard the first three years are. I mean, we, we killed it. We've been working nights, weekends during the week, 
Yeah. Wow. And so have like to do this with somebody too to share that load. So we're very fortunate that the first year was on the positive side. So, and the reason why you guys are profitable, your expenses were low, right? Like you guys, Not you have staff. We no. spent a lot more money than we thought we were going to spend. We <laughs> on what? On what? Um, so salary for a coordinator, just hourly for a coordinator. Ah. Um, we've ran out of space way faster than we thought we would. Yeah. Um, so getting really innovative with new equipment and storage and space and all the different things that come with that, uh, branching out into contagious diseases. We've had to spend a lot more money on PPE gear and that's kind of going up in price after COVID and everything and harder to find. And then we're also renting our own space. We're not yeah. integrated in a physician's office or anything. So there's that rent too. I and see. Insurance malpractice. Yeah. So it was a little more than we expected, uh-huh. but it was also... Each time we got a new study, we had to spend more than we expected. So it always will end up coming back around. It wasn't just flat spending startup money. I see. Yes. So you guys, you guys are renting your own space, but you're really close to your PI. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. Yeah. We're in route of all of them. Wait, wait. So how many now do you have? Because maybe it's been a while. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Five, yeah, and then we have the two, the two new ones. So, so no, that's six. That's six. six. Wow! Congrats, guys. Mm-hmm. I think a lot has happened to both of yeah, our sites since we had that coffee uh, meetup. <laughs> Four of them are starting up with studies, and then two of them were are brand new. They're just getting their GCTs and everything, and mm-hmm. just starting to get introduced to studies and sponsors right so we're not expecting them to be up and running yet but we still have them on board and so when you guys started out it was just you guys when did you decide to hire your first coordinator um august september no august 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 we had a part-time regulatory like assistant before that just to help with okay the mundane filing and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that just takes up a lot of time we actually hired a full-time coordinator in august so that was eight months in. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. That was before I met, or that was after I met you guys. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Yeah. A lot changes. See, when you're like a brand new site, a lot <clears throat> changes in a short period of time. Um, how do you deal with, how do you deal with, because before we started recording, I was telling you guys that, you know, we made our main PI, our partner. But then we have specialists. They're also partners, but they're like separate companies, and it all funnels back to the main, the mm. main, uh, the main company, Yuma Clinical Trials. And we made our PI a partner, but because of that, he doesn't get paid until we get paid, like the the partner. So we've been hiring. We we have two coordinators, so we've been investing. We've doing a little bit of social media. I want to actually talk to you guys about that too. Um, but we've been delaying payments, and they've been very patient. But it's like it's been over a year, and they're like, "Hey, well, what's the status? You know, what <laughs> what are what are we doing?" And it taught me like I have to, even though I like communicate a lot, I over communicate. I had to send reports now with like QuickBooks and 
like PNL statements and like just be fully transparent, which is something I really haven't been doing because I've been relying on just telling him like, Hey, this is where we're at, blah, blah, blah. But he's like in the middle of clinic. So he's not hearing it. And then his wife's the business manager. She's not hearing any of it. So it's, it was my fault because I'm like, well, I'm not sending reports. So yesterday I actually sent our first PNL and I told them, Hey, we have, we're at a point now where we can start paying a little bit of rent for using your space. So we've been using it for over a year for free. And so they were really happy with that. So I think it like boils down to like this first year, year and a half. It's like, there's a lot of things people don't discuss that I think like inexperienced people can get stuck in in problems so there's the two parts to this um we there's two ways to start a site one the route that you went which is low startup costs right you've got free rent you've got partnerships um alexis and i needed to remove some of the stress of those expectations of you're going to be profitable in your first year and so we decided to take out um, a small loan to have the capital to start the way we wanted to. This way we didn't have any promises out there to anybody. Um, And it did remove that stress factor and allow us to just fail or sink on our own, right? Wow. And you guys are smart. You did the small loan before the interest rates shot up. (laughs) That was just pure luck. (laughs) (laughs) You want to explain about how we work with our PIs? Yeah. So then the other thing is instead of, partnering with our PIs just because then there's more people to answer to, more people to include in on decisions, which can be really beneficial, but it just depends on if your PIs have time and how much they actually want to invest. Um, We don't require any money from them, um, just that they give us their GCP. They have to pay that up front, their cost of their own GCP. Um, And then once we get them a study, they get a percentage of whatever activities they oversighted for. So okay. all the subject visits, all the reg paperwork that they help out with, and they just get whatever percentage it is that we've agreed upon with them. As um, and that contract. way we don't have to worry about mm-hmm. giving them any certain amount of money unless there's actually the work for the studies being done. Because okay. otherwise it can take a year or two to get a new PI off the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of capital if we're promising them some sort of flat amount or yes. a certain amount of just all of the work we do because there's so much work we do that has nothing to do with bringing in money. It takes so much time to find a study and you're not getting paid for that. Nope. Um, so we only pay them for the things that actually are bringing in money. And this also incentivizes them to recruit for their own study, which yes. takes a little bit of burden off of us. Yeah. Our mm-hmm. derm does that really well the one that you guys sent us the study lead thank you he needs to do it better though the problem and this is a good segue into the difference between research and standard of care one of the things i've been noticing and i don't think unfortunately guys i don't think it's changing and this is this is uh probably right up your guys alley because you deal with rare disease anyways Mm -hmm. so you're looking for needles and haystacks but let's say we get a study like let's say we get a study like diabetes. Okay. A type two diabetes. You would think, okay, well, that sounds great. You know, a lot of people in our community have diabetes. We can get a whole bunch of patients, 
But when you start looking at the inclusion exclusion criteria, you see, well, they must have an A1C of seven or more. They must be uncontrolled, no insulin naive, uh, insulin naive, renal impairment. So you start looking at all these things. You're like, well, my database of diabetics is basically become a needle in a haystack now. <laughs> and so in a sense, like it's all rare disease, really. Uh, (laughs) because you're looking for like uh, in some cases people who are untreated um, at dangerously high levels of of lab results maybe Uh, or in other cases you're looking at people who have who are naive to certain treatments which most doctors who treat their patients properly would have already had them on the right treatments Mm -hmm. which is the case for the study you guys sent us so how do you guys deal with this? I mean, for you, it's probably easy because you're rare disease, but this is tough. Like, and this is something that doctors don't really understand. I was going to say the ancient aim and how they have to go off. Yeah. So one of the rare diseases that we have, um, they get samples of the drug that's just like tends to be the standard, most accepted drug. And then all these studies are coming out saying they have to be naive to that drug. And we're like, well, if your physician's treating properly, they're going to let them try it especially when they have samples of it. So all these people have had it at least once in their life. Um, We actually met with that sponsor and we're trying really hard when we meet with other sponsors to kind of spread that information of that's not real life. Mm -hmm. You guys want more patients. You guys want patients to be excited about your study, change these things. Um, And we actually had one sponsor listen to us and they came out with a protocol amendment a few months later that changed it. Yeah. Mm. So as you've been focusing on getting more collaborations with the sites, we've been doing something similar, but with this on the sponsor side to go and advocate, for, be an advocate for these um, rare disease patients that we see saying that, you know, the reason why your study isn't doing as well is the other study that we just completed is because of these criteria that you won't, you make it impossible for us to find that not just ultra rare patient, but now the unicorn of the ultra rare patient. Yeah. It's, you just cut the database down and, you know, by 75% by making them have to have these lab values, which were already proven at diagnosis. Don't make them go through the trauma to get these lab values again for you. It's, yeah, what I think about, we feel really passionately about that. Yeah. yeah I, and I don't think that's changing. I mean, I think that you get some studies where, it's more reflective of like real world research and the industry is trying to push for like, uh, what do they call it? They call it, um, it's essentially real world research where most patients can join and they do like these chart review studies where they look back and see how they're doing or they follow them in the future. And they use that data to better prepare like the more complex studies where they need people like us. Right. Um, so the complexity in a way helps us because it keeps us in business, but it makes us like work a lot harder because we can't get, bring the opportunities to everybody in our communities. It's only a few people that actually can qualify. Yep. There's the study that um, I think it's so that you guys are working on together. Uh, one of the criteria is that they have documented medical history proof for a certain period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, now you just cut the population down of those types of patients. Like what about the ones that don't have health insurance or have a lapse in health insurance or just don't like doctors, haven't been in a long time, mm-hmm. don't like to talk about their issues with doctors. There's so many people who go into their doctor's office 
And even if they're having this small problem, they're just like, oh, I'm fine. I'm not dying. I just want to get it and get out. Yeah. Right. We're, it, the study should allow us to make that diagnosis of that patient right here, right now. Yeah. I mean, that now study is strict. That study is strict. There are workarounds, though. I mean, I haven't used it yet for this study, but I think we might if we find the right patient. Uh, clinics should have like an intake form when a new patient comes in. And then if the physician does like a quick intake before the, the study, just like a pre-screening, they could document before research occurs, this is what sponsor wants, they could document their history of that diagnosis and they could take the patient report. So then now the sponsor is happy because they have a documentation. That's kind of what they want from the FDA. They didn't say what kind of documentation. We you know our... Uh person at that sponsor made it very clear that it could not be a patient recorded history on medical history that they needed uh, to notes from X amount of time prior when they were yeah. active or diagnosed. They made it that, that hard. So that's going to suck because that study, yeah. that strategy won't work. That strategy does work for like 80% of these kind of yeah. Yes. Okay. Wow. This is going to be tough. Right. All right. So how is that helpful yeah. in, in being more inclusionary of all different types of walks of life to participate in research? Yeah. As I far think as it like, helps them save money, but like, and I think it has to do with the fact that they're small sponsors. So they're trying to maximize the dollar being spent. Um, but yeah, it could be overkill in some cases too. And I don't actually don't know how enrollment's going study wide for that study. Not Are you guys great. getting a not newsletter? Great. Not great. Not great. <laughs> not great. All right. But I do know there's a lot of sponsors that we started. Um, if we think it's going to be like one of those needle in a haystack things, chart review fees. Mm -hmm. um, so okay. we get X amount for the charts we're reviewing because we're like, yeah, we might have a hundred thousand diabetics, but you want the one person on all these things that isn't necessarily found in a system review that would only be found in a note that a doctor handwritten about an opinion of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're gonna have to look through all these charts one by one. We're getting paid for it. So that's a I lot see. of time out of all the coordinators' hands. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the providers that are actually looking too mm -hmm. for patients. Um no, that makes sense. Okay, so I guess the studies that you are able to enroll in, are they, are you noticing like they're bombarding patients with uh, e-pros and all these diaries? Oh yeah. <laughs> so what are the, what do you guys feel about that? And then what do your patients feel about this? Um, Half of them hate it. Half of them are just like, whatever. It's part of what it is. Um, it's pretty split. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a difference between diagnoses. Um, of the types of people who can, the type of people who don't. Yeah. Like we see a vast difference in certain diseases where you're like, oh, most of the people with this disease only like paper diaries and hate the electronic ones and are never compliant. And the people yeah. with this diagnosis seem to be really compliant on it. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely weird how you can see kind of trends, not just with the patients, but in diagnoses. I understand why they're doing it too. And like even people like Viva are providing ePro solutions. This is why it's good to get Viva because Viva is going to start doing ePros too. And then it's just tied into your site vault. Everything's going to be in one place. And their tech's pretty good actually compared to some of these other ones. I mean, we're using some, I'm not going to name them 
for the ePros, first of all, sites don't choose for people that don't know which ePro they use. The sponsors basically dictate you're going to use this ePro and that's it. I had a patient. We have a um, we have a few elderly patients um, in some studies because of the disease, the nature of the disease. And so they have these ePros on their phones. And when they glitch, they're glitchy. You have to like close all your apps and then restart the app. And they don't know how to close app. So, <laughs> and then the sponsor is sending you all these reminders like, hey, they're not compliant. Retrain the patient. Um, make sure they're doing it. You're not going to be able to randomize them. They're basically every day sending you stuff like they're not doing it. So we had to call the patient. Hey, come in. I'm going to show you how to close your apps. And she had like 50 apps open. So I just showed her how to do it. Boom. I don't know if she learned how to do it, but at least I showed her. And since then, I mean, she's been doing her diary, so I think it worked. But these are the kind of things like sites and sponsors don't understand. It's not like you just call them and say, hey, you didn't do your diary. It's kind of like training them on how to use the tech, like yeah. as simple as that. We spend a lot of our time training on the e-pro devices mm -hmm. and um, practicing trial and error, what happens when this happens, make sure you're filling it out, you know, this way. Probably more time on the electronic devices than we've ever done on paper. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many just different mm -hmm. glitchy things, this pen, but then you put in that pen. Make sure you hit the sync button. Yeah. You have to get <laughs> The study that we're, uh, we're doing together, because it also takes up a lot of coordinator time and you're getting emails and texts mm -hmm. every day. Hey, check on your patient, check on your patient. They're not being compliant or whatever it is. This study sends emails daily on if they are compliant. Wow. And I'm like, why are you flooding my email if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing? Wow. Yeah. So it could get worse than what I'm dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, leave me alone. Otherwise, you yes. send me that email and I panic thinking they're like not doing it. And I'm like, oh. But that's something <laughs> I like to talk about for everything in research. Yeah. If email we're exhaustion. Doing what we're supposed to be doing, leave us alone. Leave us alone. Yeah. I come in every morning to how many emails of just checking on you. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're enrolling patients. We're doing our data entry on time. Like, don't flood me with, can we make a phone call? Can we get an update? You've got everything you need. We're good. We're good. Don't reach out to me if I'm screwing something up. Otherwise, yeah. it's free. Or like, we're both on call 24 hours for the patients too. Mm -hmm. And the monitors get those numbers just because it's the office numbers. And so they'll call us at like four in the morning, eight o'clock at night. Hey, I was just checking in. How did that thing go the other week? And I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. It's like 4 a.m. And they're like, yeah, do you have a minute? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm in bed. <laughs> Wow. Like, Why'd you answer? I'm like, this is like a 24 hour line. I have to answer in case it's a patient. Mm -hmm. Oh like, my gosh, guys. That's, yeah, that so far hasn't happened. Maybe because I'm not answering my phone past a certain time. We do have, I've outsourced the 24 hour line to like a company. They're actually based in Phoenix. Um, It's not expensive either. It's like, I think 30 bucks a month or something. So they'll just take messages. It's, it's that number you have to put on the consent form. Yeah. Which, really nobody ever calls um occasionally a monitor will call to make sure it's working so there's <laughs> somebody answering and they're trained to tell them if it's emergency call 911 or if it's anyone else they send me a message uh the next morning um, with the types of patients that we see 
we have to we have standing orders for most of them on how to treat certain situations. Wow. So they have to, yeah, they have mm. to call us. But so for rare disease, that's the case because I haven't. I don't think I've ever done an actual rare disease study. For this one in particular, yeah. they need wow. a lot of care and handholding and advocation when they have to go to the hospital or this or that, and it happens pretty regularly. So we spend a lot of time talking to ER physicians and nurse practitioners of disease education, treatment education. Yes, they really have this mm-hmm. disease. Yes, it's a real thing. Wow. I think your coordinator was trying to come in. Does she want to be on the podcast? <laughs> so that's actually a perfect transition. Thank you, coordinator. What's her name? The, uh... Brittany. Oh, Brittany. All right. Thank you, Brittany. So staffing, you know, I do want to talk about that. So I'm assuming Brittany is your coordinator, somebody mm-hmm. you guys hired. So maybe use her as an example. So what is her background? And then how did you find her? And what's the process like of onboarding her? She is a needle in a haystack. Like we got so lucky because it is so hard to find a good coordinator personality right now. There's just so many people who are just doing it to do it and are don't really care about the patients or anything. She's, she's a good one. We like her a lot, but um what makes her good? Like what, what is good about her? There's a certain personality type um, that is really great in research that you cannot, you cannot train somebody to be this way. It's just a natural flow of questioning things that don't seem right and following up on things that mm, some people naturally just would just push aside, like no big deal. I don't know what that trait is, but we sensed it in her, in her interview and we're like, oh, this is going to work. She's going to sit right in with our little special qualities that we need. Yeah. Someone who's going to read the protocol and actually care about following it. It doesn't matter how much you tell someone how important it is. They just internally don't care about following following guidelines. It's Mm -hmm. never going to stick and they're never going to want to follow it. And you're just going to have so many protocol deviations. So maybe it's a cliche, but having passion for what you're doing or taking pride in your work. Absolutely. I mean, hopefully it's like sustains itself because there are people who show those signs early and then it kind of fizzles out. And a lot of that is the responsibility of the site owners as well. Like myself included, you know, my biggest fear is like getting somebody like Brittany and then over time their passion kind of fades away. So it's like my job as the site owner to make sure that that never happens. Um, but like, how did you find this person? Like what, what was it? Well, yeah, let's start with how you found this person. So we put an ad on um, Indeed. Indeed, and then a couple other like free places. Mm-hmm. Um, putting out ads like that are so expensive right now. Yeah. And for a small site, like, we spent like $400 just to have that ad posted for like a week and a half or something. Right. Wow. It was ridiculous, but we're like, we don't know how else to reach these people. Um, we tried reaching out to like the ACRP. ACRP and some of the local schools and stuff and it's mm-hmm. just no one would call us back no one would like oh yeah they won't do <laughs> right and we're like well don't you want your students to like, like see all the job opportunities that are out there and apparently um, not apparently not apparently not nah, especially like well i'm not going to talk bad about organizations but i'll move on let's move on from that <laughs> uh, so we put the ad out on indeed and we may i think we actually in-person interviewed maybe five or six people out of however many applied for it. But Alexis had a really great interview question. 
Do you remember the OnlyFans question? I don't. Which one? I really don't. Okay. <laughs> so she had an interview question that was that said, if you woke up one morning and there was an elephant in your backyard, what would you do? And to watch how people would process, like, the steps that they would go through to figure out what to do with this elephant was hilarious. It was so much fun. Yeah. But also, you could find the person that had that coordinator brain of, like, well, I first figure out what the rules are with having an elephant and if it was safe to touch, <laughs> how they yeah. process through it. And Brittany, I think one of the ways that she answered it was just such a, like, I'm going to look at the schedule of events and see how to figure this out. It was wow. awesome. Yeah. So Brittany, so what's her background? Uh, she's a coordinator. She's been a coordinator before for ophthalmology. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. Yeah, so she's already gotten her feet wet. She was, what, about two years in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were just loading up studies over there and. So yeah. for you guys, it was intentional. Like we need to find somebody with experience. This time, no. I thought this it, time we wanted someone who at least knew something, but they didn't have to be like, yeah, they didn't have to be crazy experience, yeah. you know, five, ten years, whatever. Just somebody who's already had the introduction mm-hmm. to research is what we were looking for, because that bypassed at least a good three months of training of what is yeah. clinical research, what is Alcoa. Um, you know, what studies, like (laughs) that stuff all out of it. And that she had some skill sets as far as EKGs and blood draws Mm -hmm. just to help us to get through these first few months of training. So we could dive right in. We did um, about one protocol a week and one patient visit a week. And then about three months into it, she was running the studies by herself. Wow. Okay. So that's the advantages of hiring somebody with experience. In my case, I we don't have it. Like, there's nobody in Yuma that has experience unless they move here from somewhere else, which mm-hmm. it happens, but it's not it's not uh, something you can count on. So I also put an ad on Indeed for our second employee, Katie. So we had Desiree, the one you met. She was like, she's a family. She's actually soon to be actual family. Um, well, congratulations through marriage. Uh, so yeah, but we knew her already, and she was a CNA by background. So she was like a no-brainer. But the next one, Katie, we didn't really need Katie. But I put an ad on Indeed just in case Desiree didn't work out. But Desiree was working out, so I didn't even care about the ad anymore. I just let it be. And all of a sudden, this girl who just moved to Yuma from Kansas with a bachelor's degree uh, applied. And I was like, huh, this doesn't happen that often. Yuma, all right, let's do an interview. So my wife and I interviewed her. And she had like on paper everything I I wanted, but I was worried because she was going to physical therapy school that she wasn't going to be able to commit. But it, I'm glad my wife did the interview with me because she said, no, this this girl's good and she is able to do this and do school at the same time. If you mm-hmm. listened closely, you would have heard that. And I, I was like, oh, shoot, I guess I like I missed out. So I'm so glad I hired Katie because she's worked out really well. Like we're, and people like that don't just like fall out of the sky. So you're right though. It's about three to four months of training. We have the CRC Academy, but everyone has like different attributes and it's your role to kind of see how they fit into um, your clinic. And sometimes it's stressful situations too. Like the other day, a patient kind of got upset with Katie uh, on the phone. It was not Katie's fault. I was there. I heard it all. Um, and Katie handled it fairly well. Like she went, took care of the problem. And 
you can tell she was a little shook up by it, but I told her sometimes patients having bad days, you know, mm-hmm. this is part of your role as a coordinator to deal with pay with patients. The coordinator role is like has so many different skill sets you need. Right. At the same time, right? You need organization, but you need people skills. You need like to be analytical, but you also need to be creative, if especially if they're gonna do like recruitment and pre-screening. So it's kind of like you need all these things which don't necessarily match up. A lot of it, you just have to hire for potential and train is the way I see it. Right. And we did um, with Brittany, we wanted to make sure that this was going to be a good fit for her, that she totally understood that we're starting up. Like we're, we're working on studies at the very beginning, the brand new business. So we brought her in for a day to um, kind of like, work with you on a patient and see how our visits go that's different from ophthalmology and how we process stuff and how we handle you know our our SOPs and whatnot um just to make sure that she was going to make the right decision on coming here if she wanted to commit here too because that's what we were looking for is somebody that was willing to ride this uh first and second year these first few years out with us I think that really helped too it gave us more insight on, on how she flows with patients and um, kind of confirmed for us that she could fit right in, no problem. That's, yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad you guys were able to do that because when you hire somebody, it frees up so much more of your time to go out and get new studies. Mm-hmm. Once Katie and Desiree were up and running, it freed up my time to do feasibility surveys, to actually reach out, to send emails for new studies. And it's not by accident, we have new studies coming up because these two girls are there doing the actual patient visits, right? And I just yeah. have some oversight and the PI has oversight. That leads me to my next question for you guys. Maybe maybe the last topic, um, social media, right? I think that's something I can do better. We invested in somebody to run our Instagram and Facebook, but it's just minor stuff right now. But I have actual like a lot of plans for my next hire and what they're going to be, but I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on social media and how are you using that, if at all, to recruit patients and what your thoughts are on this. We are so conflicted. <laughs> yep. Um, we have like a LinkedIn, but it's definitely more sponsor focused. Um, and at our old site, we had, you know, a Facebook page, um, and I've joined just like individually a couple of the rare diseases, like groups for them, support mm. groups and stuff like that, just to like give general information out, not even recruitment specific, um, but just to like be a support so that when they do come and ask, I can say, oh yeah, well, I also work with this company to have these studies. But we've kind of been playing around with the idea of getting into the Instagram and the Facebook and maybe even the TikTok. But it yeah. <laughs> is a lot of times in like creativity to think about what things to Full put. Time. What's okay to put out? What's there. okay to put? How how do we not offend anybody? Yeah. How do you keep it to the point and research focused while still making it fun and playful enough that people actually care? And where's that line? Because especially on a lot of social media, it's just a lot of these like little dances and things. Yeah, we could do a dance, but what does that have to do with research? Or does it matter that it has anything to do with research as long as it gets people looking at our website and then they get into yeah. research? Where's that I think line that and part. <laughs> time to do it and what actually matters and will get patients to do it? So if we spend hours and hours making videos and posts and nobody's seeing it, what's the point? 
Yeah, these are all valid. I think most sites that are thinking about this are struggling with those same things, myself included, by the way. Like my next hire, I'm thinking about employee number three, and then I think we're good for a while unless we just see a surge of studies next year, which may happen, but then I'm kind of in trouble because we're running out of space. But <laughs> that's another topic. But my next hire... I want somebody bilingual this time for sure. I need that. And then I want them to spend half of their time social media content. So, and I offer this to the two girls we currently have and Katie actually wants to do it too. So part of their jobs is going to be, we want to build. And a lot of this is because we have a small, like we're in a small town. I think it's, more feasible here i think it's better roi here than phoenix i think but there's probably ways for you guys to do something similar too so they're gonna go interview in english and spanish business owners or just people in the community teachers sandwich shop owner coffee shop owner whoever there's like unlimited people you can interview and just make it like a channel about Yuma. But just like how I integrated Viva at the beginning of this, mm -hmm. we integrate, hey, Yuma Clinical Trials, we're doing, we're multi-therapeutic, blah, blah. We're do, always doing studies. Give us a call if you're interested. And then you have the content of the town, like get to know your, your community. Because so it's like community focused, right? Right. And once you build enough of an audience, you can start doing like disease focus too. Like you can throw in some content, say, hey, this is diabetes. We have a diabetes study. Here's our PI talking about lifestyle changes somebody could make. Or here's a patient we had. I've interviewed patients from our studies, actually. they If you ask them nicely, they say yes. <laughs> I usually wait till the study's over at, before I interview them. Um, but yeah, so that's my goal and then you can like splice up that content into a podcast youtube you can make tiktoks from it like with the little but that's full-time job i can't do that like there's no right. way i can do that so you need somebody or like a team of people to do that and katie said she wants to i haven't even asked desiree yet um but this new hire that's going to be like one of the main things i look for that's really smart because that does take so much time and we really need to be more focused on pulling the business to the future, what's happening next, mm -hmm. um, sponsor focus, sponsor focus, study, doctor, that, that sort. And you can do sponsor focus too. Like the thing for you guys, cause you're in a big city. I mean, you're in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not like you, you might have some advantages cause no one's doing this in Yuma, right? Phoenix, right. you're going to get competition of, Hey, this is like the local, unless you do like hyper local, like a specific neighborhood in Phoenix, but what probably what I would do if I were you guys, since you focus on rare diseases, is take the take the the conditions you have right now for studies, and make content around that just around that disease. So like try to interview people because that could be sponsor focused content too, that you can get sponsors interested in your site. Besides patients, right? You could get sponsors interested. I don't think sponsors gonna be interested in like the sandwich shop owner in Yuma. Right. All, that's all patient focused. Um, but in your case, you could probably do both. Yeah. Yeah. 
it just takes investment it takes and it's yeah. risky too it's risky because the roi is uncertain like that's why i think half of their time this new hire they're in the office doing data entry you know we're at least getting some roi from like them actually doing stuff mm-hmm. and then katie's gonna help out katie probably take like 20 percent of her time to do interviews and if desiree wants to her as well but so you're still getting some roi like guaranteed by them actually doing study stuff but their downtime they need to be out there finding the guests recording editing i'll teach them how to edit because i know how to do that but like all that stuff and then managing the platforms the the community uh like responding to comments responding to the instagram and this is something that people they're trying to break into research and they don't know how i'm telling them to go approach go find a site like like one of a kind they're all over your every community guys go find anna and alexander go go out there find them and tell them hey i saw this crazy guy on youtube he told he told me that sites like you need this break Mm -hmm. down this strategy to them say i will do this for you for one month for free if you like it i also want to get some experience in research then you can hire me I think 50% of the time, the sites are going to give it a, a chance. Yeah, why not? I mean, like we said in one of our other videos, that's how we got one of the best regulatory people we've ever had. Yeah. Was a student that she just needed some internship hours, turned into a year later. She was fantastic. How did she approach you? Like, what did she say? Her mom called us saying that her daughter's looking for some experience in research and if they needed somebody to file some papers. and how did the mom how did the mom get your number just google search research around the zip code yep that's it and then she got super excited and then her daughter called like five minutes later (laughs) i did want to say something on the social media um, that we are doing which isn't quite social media but of getting things out there we did it for the first time this month and we got pretty good responses we think we're going to start trying to do it moving forward Mm-hmm. Um, is local doctors that we've talked with before about referrals for research recruitment or that we want to get interested in recruitment just bringing them a folder or even bringing them cookies in a folder it's just eh, you're another person coming to the clinic um, but if there's a specific disease that we can focus on or if that disease is awareness month like for example this month is fetus awareness we took stool hats it filled them with chocolate candy and did like a little poo emoji that had like the art website on it. And really? we were like, okay, we're not sure how this is gonna be taken, but we went to the doctor's offices and we got more meetings and face-to-face time with people than we ever have before. Yeah. Because I mean, so you laugh. guys made this? You made this on your own? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see the poop emoji right there. Oh. Stool hats that we had sitting around, chocolate from the store and popsicle sticks. <laughs> paper. So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It was fun, and we were like, "This is either going to be awesome or just explode in our face of ridiculous." Yeah. And it was, it was fun. So we think we're gonna try doing that with some of the diseases. If it's that month's disease, or we're really trying to do a mm-hmm. big recruitment, is something themed around that disease mm-hmm. yeah. to make the nurses at that clinic and make the office staff and even the doctors potentially right. remember because people bring them goodies and food all the time, your pharmacy reps and everything. But if we can make it something that's going to make them laugh and 
or even just be like, oh, that's an interesting thing to bring me. Um, trying to get something so that they actually remember us and think about us next time they're sitting with us, see this patient, they're going to think about the chocolate and who had. No, that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Now, think like, because myself and Brad Hightower are thinking about this as like, we're actually thinking of like really going in. I knew about this strategy for a while because I know because it worked for my brand. It's got to work for one of my sites. I just never had the bandwidth to pull it off. So I need to train people to do it. But imagine, that's a great strategy, by the way, of what you did with the poop hats. Imagine <laughs> taking that, because that moment happened like just once, right? Like yeah. it was a moment you had to be there. But imagine having somebody record it, all right? Recording you preparing the hat, making it, while you're making it, explaining like why, why you're doing it, and then going to the doctor, and I, you probably can't take your cameras there, so they stop filming once you get to the front door. But then they film again when you come out, and then you give a summary like how it went. I mean, that's gonna live forever now. Mm-hmm. It's true. So yeah, that's take pictures and post them on LinkedIn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there you go. So you're already like there. So I think stuff like that, like doing social media it's really just a matter of getting a camera and then editing it afterwards because you're already doing the stuff like you already have the content in your life you're you're inspiring us to put more focus on this i mean it is something we were trying to get done before the year's up but you know how time slips away i know i know i think like the next hire is not going to be this year but i might experiment with katie before this year's over to just film some content but like next year, when we get these other studies rolling, we'll have like multiple people doing it. So um, in any of your sites, have you ever done something like this before? Like asked somebody to take on the task of social media? The closest thing I've, no, the closest thing I've done, uh, ask someone to take on the task. Of, no, we have a guy right now doing it, but it's just Instagram and Facebook and he's remote. He's in San Diego. So he's, he's bilingual. So he's making content around our diseases that we have in English and Spanish, but they're just images or like little videos of infographics. So historically where we came before, we had um, research assistants of, hey, at least once a week, let's do something on social media this way or that way. Um, and in the beginning, every research assistant we've had has been excited about, oh my gosh, you're gonna pay me to play on Facebook all day, but it has never worked out. Mm-hmm. It, they've lost interest it became too difficult they didn't know what to put and then all of a sudden six months later you're like hey nothing's been posted in a while what are you, what are you doing yeah and it's just not getting done so maybe do you have to do with like the research brain is different than a marketing brain i i think it was that maybe alongside the fact that it was just not as much fun at the end when they thought it was going to be well the maybe work is not fun to- like the <laughs> editing <laughs> editing a video I'd rather do data entry than edit. <laughs> really? Oh, oh no. It's not, it's not fun. Like you have to listen to yourself talk, uh, which is super annoying. You have to figure out what's going to go, what make it under a minute. It's really like time consuming too. Like, so I think that has to come from the top. Like I understand that I'll have to train this person or these people for three months like here's what you need to do here's how you find a guest but that that just by itself is not easy like oh no 
okay, even if they're a business owner, like uh, maybe like a coffee shop owner, the owner of, of Cafecito where we went, okay, that would be a good guess. Okay, well, convince him or her why they need to do it. Like, you don't have anything. What's your channel about? Why? Salesmanship. Like, I know I can do it, but what about Katie or the next person I hire? Right. So if I don't want it to be just about me, I have to teach them how to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing as like three months of shadowing to be a coordinator. I think it's the same thing with this. I really think it's the same thing. And I think that's where a lot of sites drop the ball too. Because the idea is one thing, but to actually pull it off, which I haven't done yet either, by the way, but people can watch me in real time fail or succeed. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. I'm not afraid to fail, though. That's the thing. Right. Well, maybe this is something we'll have to find as an external source. I think yeah. the upside is. I think the upside is there. Like, and what's the downside? I mean, you waste time, and people laugh at you because you tried to do something. Like, who who cares? Maybe who has worked? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, we talk all the time about you know, there's so much bad rap about research. Or people just don't know, or it's just weird and nerve-wracking for them. And the more you get it out there where it's just commonplace, the more people will talk about it and be honest about their experiences. And maybe the better sponsors will listen to us if all these patients are actually sitting there and it's on social media that Mm -hmm. they want to see certain things happening in research. And you know what is really crazy? If, because I know from my own brand like look i'm wearing a shirt this is a sponsor guys okay mm-hmm. if you pull this off properly not only is it going to benefit you getting more patients more physicians in the community to know about you and more sponsors but you're gonna get sponsorship offers like hey we love what you're doing can you feature us we'll pay you so that becomes a separate business on its own too has the potential even though you're not making it for that Mm-hmm. So it's, there's ROI in doing it it's just a matter of doing it properly yeah oh this is gonna be rough we'll play around with it <laughs> we'll uh, to uh, me, too. me too yeah me too like we can collaborate this is why it's good to sites to communicate with each other um mm-hmm. because we can we can throw ideas off of one another and see you know what's good what's working what's not how do we tweak not everything I plan is going to work. Like I can, we can interview a sandwich shop owner. Nobody watches it. So we got to tweak it. Like how do we make it more sticky? It's you have to constantly experiment. Well, we got to do this again because there's too many, there's too much. I still want to discuss, but um, we'll chat a little bit off the air. Thank you so much, Anna and Alexandria, one of a kind research. Their Thank LinkedIn you, profiles are underneath. Connect with them on LinkedIn and let us know what you guys think. And we'll be in touch soon. Thank you guys. Thank you.